Well, hello, good evening, and welcome to Open for Business here on NLive Radio 106.9 FM, also available live digitally at nliveradio.com. My name is Adrian Price, the guy from the university with the perfect face for radio, and you are just listening to Talk of the Town by Shed7. I'm not sure if we are the talk of the town. One can hope and uh, aspire to that, I guess. But anyway, we have got some interesting talks. Um, we're finishing off the series with the county councillors for West Northamptonshire. We've got Councillor Adam Brown, who's the deputy leader. We're here the second part of Councillor Fiona Baker's um, uh, role as head of children's services uh, or sort of the cabinet responsibility for children's services. And we'll also be hearing a kind of wrap up and a new year message from Councillor Jonathan Nunn, the leader of the council. Um, we also have a, an appeal from Stephen Bell, a musical director extraordinaire from the Northampton Male Voice Choir. And we'll be hearing from Simon Cox, co-founder and co-director of NNBN, the business um, and organizational support services uh, organization, who is going to become guest editor on a monthly basis starting from next week. So plenty going on, plenty to listen to. Um, first up is Councillor Adam Brown, deputy leader of Northampton West, sorry, West Northamptonshire uh, Council. And he's coming up after this. 106.9 N Live. Well, it's the new year. We're coming to the end of a very interesting, certainly for me, series of interviews with uh, our councillors that represent us on the West Northamptonshire um, Council. And we've been through uh, most now of the councillors with cabinet responsibility. And we're coming to the last two, which are the leader and deputy leader. Today, it's the turn of someone who's been on the show before. Um, Councillor Adam Brown, Deputy Leader, but also has responsibility for housing, culture and leisure. So firstly, to welcome you again, Adam, to the show. Thank you for taking the time. Um, Happy New Year to you. Did you have a good Christmas? I did. Thank you, Adrian. Yes, uh, had a very nice Christmas with uh, with my family and uh, catching up with uh, with friends. So uh, Happy New Year to you too and to, to all the listeners. Well, thank you. Now you tell me about your little boy. How old is he, by the way, that's now enjoying uh, Christmas? Yeah, he'll be three at the end of January. So uh, yeah, this this Christmas just gone was the, the first time where he uh, he was really into the magic of it all and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing Father Christmas and uh, understood that uh, presents come from Father Christmas and some come from Mummy and Daddy as well and uh, all the rest <laughs> of it. So it was it was a lovely time. 
good and more interesting this interested this time in the actual present rather than the packaging perhaps and throwing the packaging yes packages. exactly that <laughs> very good how lovely indeed okay so just recap we you have been on and uh, and listeners um can refer to the podcast which is available going back i think last was it summer june july we talked in depth about your role um housing culture and leisure but just give us a recap of what areas those cover adam and perhaps some of the biggest challenges or the area you know the areas that keep you up at night in that area or are the most concerned to the citizens yeah so as you say, it's a portfolio that covers three uh, very different uh, areas. So uh, we've got housing, first of all, which uh, covers both social, the delivery and management of social housing uh, and the enforcement of uh, standards in the private rented sector. Uh, then we've got uh, uh, culture, which covers our museum and library services and uh, public events, uh, such as uh, the Choir Fest that uh, will be coming to the Royal and Gate uh, later this year. Uh, and then uh, on the leisure side of things, we obviously have a uh, quite a large estate these days of uh, leisure centres across the district of, uh, of West Northamptonshire. Uh, and then we cooperate and uh, liaise with partners across grassroots sport to try and ensure that there's a, a diverse range of choice on the uh, on the leisure front, uh, and that uh, you know we have a thriving sports scene uh, for, for, for amateur uh, players and participants across uh, across West Northamptonshire. But mm. in terms of Concerns and uh, what keeps me up at night. It's, uh, it's largely around that that housing uh, area. Uh, we have uh, just over three thousand live applications on our uh, housing waiting list, which is uh, not out of step with uh, many areas in the country, but still uh, a huge number and uh, represents people who are you know, greatly in need either of a move within our uh, housing estate or, you know, wanting uh, new, uh, you know, wanting to come into the uh, the council's uh, portfolio of properties and uh, have a more stable home than than they have at the moment. So that's a big worry, as, of course, is the, uh, the homelessness side of things. And uh, as the uh, as the economy's uh, you know, taken a, a turn for the worse, we, we have seen a rise in in rough sleeping and uh, other forms of homelessness, and uh, you know, we have to take steps to, uh, to to help people who are in that uh, situation, and we, we do our level best to do so. And uh, how do you do that? Do you work closely with the charities? One that I was uh, closely involved with and a big, very fond of the Hope Centre homelessness charity. Yeah, so the Hope Centre are a, a fantastic partner for, uh, for us, and uh, they do, uh, you know, in all honesty, a lot of the heavy lifting themselves. They uh, they they inspire a huge amount of trust from the people that they help, and uh, as well as the wider community. Uh, and so, uh, I think by the time that uh, this show goes out, uh, you know, people will have seen uh, an announcement that uh, a new night shelter um, uh, has opened uh, or, or will be opening uh, in Northampton Town Centre um, uh, as part of a collaboration between the Hope Centre, uh, West Northamptonshire Council, and uh, and other stakeholders. Um, after that, there'll be a, a, a further uh, a further announcement about very specialist. Um, Homelessness, uh, homelessness support um, provided by uh, West Northamptonshire Council and a, uh, a, a private provider uh, that, we, that we work alongside. But uh, uh, quite a few strands to the work that we do. But uh, at the at the front of our mind is uh, you know, the, the need that uh, uh, people have uh, in terms of rough sleeping and homelessness, and really getting them the support that will provide for all of their needs not just the uh, not just the roof over their heads but uh, also any help that they may have with medical issues or you know 
mental health uh, support um, and anything else besides. So it's, it's a very complex picture in a lot of cases. Okay, so there was a night shelter in the old railway club, I think, um, when I was involved with the Hope Centre. Uh, that's that closed down, right? I think it was there for two years. So, is it a reprise, a reprise of that particular facility? No, no, that that particular facility isn't fit for use uh, anymore. Uh, we've we've got uh, new accommodation uh, at a church in North, uh, very close to the town centre. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's all been uh, given the green light by uh, by the various uh, health and safety inspectors, the fire and rescue service, and uh, other relevant bodies. And uh, that we've got a soft launch uh, taking place on the 9th of January, and then uh, the service will ramp up. From there on, all right. How many can it accommodate? Uh, around thirty people, uh, and then the uh, the other uh, aspect of the service that I alluded to uh, will, will accommodate for uh, up to fifty people. So we believe that between the the, the two uh, strands of the offer, um, it will be able to you know cope with uh, up to eighty rough sleepers, which is um, far in excess of what uh, the number that we believe to be currently rough sleeping in in and around Northampton. Okay, very interesting. Now, if I may sort of um, ask a question based on some insight in the past, when we were working with the council years ago with that old night shelter, there was a concern that the hardest to reach cases, the most, if you will, challenging cases, were the ones that didn't apply, or if they did, they weren't let in um, to the night shelter because, you know, it was safety or for the others, whatever it was. But um, is that something that's been taken into account this time to make sure that, you know, yeah, we don't just want the ones who quiet, docile and, uh, you know, will come in and <clears throat> and just just not be a management problem? You know, what about the ones that are troubled by mental well-being or by, you know, substance abuse, whatever? Yeah, and that and that's where the the more special the more specialist support uh, does kick in because we'll have the uh, our, our outreach team and uh, other professionals uh, on hand to help with the, the higher needs uh, uh, individuals that uh, that are that are sleeping. So, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the safety of the people using the services uh, is our utmost concern. So we do have to manage the uh, the different levels of. Uh, vulnerability and risk uh, very carefully along the way and uh, sometimes that does mean that you know one service or another has to uh, triage appropriately uh, but mm. you know you've seen it you clearly have, have seen it for yourself Adrian it's a it's a difficult balancing act to achieve but it's something that we're very mindful of and we're, we're taking into account. Mm. Okay well before we talk about um, the management of all these wonderful councillors that we've been interviewing in the last few weeks let me just ask you another one and perhaps related a little bit to national politics if you if you don't mind in what we all expect to be an election year and as we've said before the West Northamptonshire Council and most of our MPs in the county uh, in the area are, are from the Conservative Party. Um, this increase in homelessness poverty and disadvantage, which is how the Hope Centre repositioned itself. So it's not just homelessness, it is about poverty and disadvantage. We're seeing the increases here. Are we not paying the price of years of underinvestment and perhaps very challenging, if not to say, you know, not the best management of the economy? I think that, uh, you know, we do have to adapt to the the changing fortunes uh, of, of the economy and, uh, you know, whether that's down to individual political uh, decisions or otherwise is, you know, something that we can debate uh, for, for an awfully long time. But I think, you know, we do also have to recognise that 
we are only a very short time um, away from what was a uh, a historic global, global pandemic, and you know we're, we're still um, you know feeling the repercussions uh, of that. So you know you could, I don't think we can expect for you know a, a once in a generation, a once in a lifetime event to, to happen, and uh, for, for things to simply switch back to normal uh, overnight. So you know it is uh, you know clearly a you know, still a, a difficult time of readjustment uh, following that, and you know, I think in the in the short to medium term, you know, Rishi Sunak does seem to have uh, got on top of the inflationary side of things. You know, now, uh, you know, the mission for, uh, you know, this government and, you know, whoever forms the next government after the general election will be to you know, start trying to get some growth back into the economy and to make everybody you know, across uh, all starters of society, uh, you know, better off and, uh, you know, feeling wealthier in their day to day lives. Mm. Well, as you say, we could debate these issues, but let me just perhaps give a slightly wider context and hear what, what your thoughts. You know, we've had since 2008, 2009, obviously the austerity, George, um, George, uh, oh, name, what's his name? The, the Chancellor, George Osborne. George Osborne, thank you very much. Uh, we've had Brexit, which was potentially, you know, self, uh, self-inflicted or self-awarded, whichever way you want to look at it. I mean, are we also not reaping perhaps some of the, you know, results of the of of those decisions over many years, over the past decade or more. Well, I, I would argue that uh, you know more more restricted and more uh, proportionate public spending was uh, was a necessary step to take after uh, the incoming Conservative government in the government in uh, two thousand and ten fact found a you know a severely uh, depleted le- uh, level of uh, of uh, public finances and public resources. Uh, and so an adjustment had to be made, and uh, I think that was done in a uh, in, in a proportionate manner. Obviously, you know, that, you know, some some people you know suffered very harshly under uh, that uh, period of austerity, and there were you know clearly aspects of that that, that could and should have been man- managed better. But actually, you know, things like the, uni- the introduction of universal credit, uh, you know, now in the wake of the pandemic, seem like very prescient, uh, very, very, very good positive steps uh, to have taken. Um, Brexit, you know, clearly, you know, we, we had a democratic vote on the matter. Uh, you know, the people of the United Kingdom collectively uh, chose to leave the European Union. Uh, I think, it, if anything, it's caused more instability for my political party than it has uh, for, any, for anyone else. Uh, you know, the country, by and large, has adapted well. But, uh, business, uh, you know, big business especially, uh, seems to have adapted very well. We're seeing new investment from the likes of Nissan and, uh, and other large companies in the UK. Uh, there hasn't been the the financial flight from the country that uh, some on the Remain side of the argument were predicting uh, for large stretches of that, uh, you know, bitterly fought campaign. So mm. it's been a tumultuous time over the 14 years, 13, 14 years that we've had a Conservative government. But ultimately, in my view, Brexit has caused more damage to my party than it has to, to, to the country. And uh, I think were it not for the pandemic coming along, we could have had a, a period of real economic growth, of real stability, and you know, the delivery of political promises that, unfortunately, weren't able to be kept largely because we had that uh, unprecedented event, which meant that all rules went out of, went out of the window across the world. And you look at steps taken in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, established democracies, countries comparable to our own, and there was nigh on a suspension of democratic rule in those countries and. I think you know, our government was more liberal in its approach, was more 
you know, did play forever by the people uh, than other governments around the world. And I, you know, I think we should uh, we shall count our lucky stars on 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 that front. But it certainly has not been an easy time to govern, and uh, I think the government deserves a little bit of understanding on that front. No, I agree. It hasn't been an easy time. I think perhaps I'd like to just as we were talking set up a different discussion because uh, you know the the pandemic may have been helpful to t- disguise some of the impacts for Brexit. The stats I don't have to hand. Um, I don't hear what you're saying about Nissan, etc. But you know I, I, I'd like to, and maybe you'd be happy to d- discuss with me if we got the stats on foreign direct investment, etc. Just to have a look at that uh, at another date. Um, but before leaving the national politics, let me just ask you one thing. Are you looking forward to the next election or do you think that you know, there's a risk that Tories are going to get a, a bit of a hiding? And is, is, is Rishi Sunak giving the right focus, if you will, because of putting a lot of emphasis on on the um, the votes and the immigration? It begs the question, of course, what percentage of homelessness people are not, if you will, are, are, are foreign? Um, but, you know, are, are we are, are you going into battle in this election sort of nationally on the right issues? So I think the the, number, the breadth of issues needs to be expanded in terms of focus of uh, of the government. You, know, you, you can't fight a single issue campaign on immigration clearly, uh, and that's in my view dominated the the focus of the party a little bit too much in in recent weeks and months. That said, you know, immigration is you know, clearly an issue that we need to get on top of in terms of small boats uh, and you know, arrivals from abroad. In recent years, we've had you know, the equivalent of a new uh, of a new town the size of Brackley co- coming into the country every year, and that, that's not sustainable uh, in the long run. Uh, but it's not going to be a a simple, quick fix uh, to, uh, to that issue, such as planes to Rwanda. That's you know, that, that's one one deterrent uh, amidst a, a wider strategic solution. I would hope. Mm. Um, but, uh, am I looking forward to, to the election? I, I always look forward to a general election there. Interesting events, and uh, I'll certainly be out uh, supporting uh, Conservative candidates in in Northampton. Uh, the polls at the moment don't look good for the Conservatives, but given Rishi Sunak's uh, comments this week, uh, I think we're we're still probably six months or more away from a general election, and uh, things may look different once we once we reach the vote. And I still don't feel that Sakir Starmer's actually set out his policy platform. He hasn't. Certainly, by any means, set out what the uh, what the what the alternative offer is from the Labour Party. At the moment, they just seem to be not the Conservative Party, which you know, who knows, maybe enough to get them over the line. But you know, that would make for an interesting period of discovery after a general election for the country at large. Yeah, no, very interesting. Well, thank you for those uh, those comments. Let's go back to the uh, councillors that um, you and Councillor Jonathan Nunn have some leadership responsibility. Let's explore, you know, we've got all these very, um, what's the word, impressive people. With all, they've all got lives outside. They're well grounded. They, you know, I think we've heard and learned a lot in the last few weeks, but I guess it falls upon you and Jonathan to manage them, right? So, you know, they're all talented, independent people. To tell us a little bit about the challenges or what, what is involved in, in managing uh, such a team and any challenges or particular opportunities? So in terms of the team that we have, you've spoken to the major and you've gleaned an understanding of, of what they're like as individuals and the, the experience that they have. And I think they're, a, they're an impressive and in many ways an inspiring bunch to, to work alongside. And although Jonathan and I are leader and deputy leader, respectively, we're, we're very 
we're a very collaborative bunch. We're very much a, a team, and we come together twice a week as uh, as a whole team to discuss issues. Once with the, uh, the senior officers of the council, uh, and once just as a uh, just once as a cabinet to kick around any issues that uh, are arising in the ind- individual portfolios. Beyond that, we have regular one-to-one meetings with the uh, the, the other members of the cabinet. So I say one-to-one. It's Jonathan and myself and the uh, and the and the cabinet member, uh, and then we we have a deeper dive into the issues within their their own portfolios. So that, that there's a constant uh, two-way flow of uh, of information uh, of uh, debate around the issues, uh, and you know, that seems to stand us in good stead. Uh, you know, we, we're all you know, focused on the same priorities. We're all, uh, you know, I think, you know, very focused on. The needs of the residents and what and the object and the outcomes that we want uh, for residents in, in West Northamptonshire, and you know, that makes for a pretty harmonious atmosphere. And uh, it would, you know, we've been together as a as a team for you know a, a few years now, and there's a, there's a good mutual understanding of what the parameters are, what the what the limits are, and you know, people now have a good sense of when you know, what kind of issues they need to bring back to the collective and when they have free reign to uh, to go and give a green light to a new policy uh, by themselves. Mm. What are the biggest issues then that as a collective that you're now facing and, and looking forward to the next 12 months? You know, what are the biggest, I don't know, aspirations, ambition? I think the uh, the biggest aspirations that we have, uh, we've got, uh, is really just to... Demonstrate the, the 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 delivery of projects that have been in the pipeline for these first few years of West Northamptonshire Council. So, people are going to see the culmination of projects like uh, the Market Square, the Old Black Line in Northampton. Uh, you're going to see spades in the ground on several other key regeneration projects in the, in the town as well. Um, there's going to, going to be more investment in our roads, and you know, people. Are, I hope we're, going to, we're actually going to start seeing a bit more evidence of where where their money goes, um, you know, other than in, into adults and uh, children's social care. But uh, on on that note, I, th- I think it is important just to stress that actually, you know, two thirds of our budget goes on those two areas, and mm. you know, those are services that you know, save lives, and uh, they mean that. Uh, terms of the adult social care it means that people are getting uh, the care that they need once they leave hospital it means that they can leave hospital and they're not uh, you know blocking beds in, in in northampton general so that you know if if you, if you or i or you know anyone listening to this program then needs to go into northampton general there's a bed available and so it's um, it's a, it's a system that you know has to work in conjunction with the nhs it requires huge investments um and you know sometimes there's a a disregard for for the money that goes into it because it's we don't see it until we need it but uh, i think mm. we have to consider us consider ourselves fortunate that it is there uh, for when we need it and then the children's social care side of things uh, i think people naturally are, are more compassionate about uh, in, in terms of uh, you know, being taxed to pay for that because it, Everyone has uh, compassion for children, and uh, they want to know that uh, if children lose their parents or they have the misfortune to be born to you know, pretty, pretty awful parents, quite frankly, then you know there'll there'll be some uh, very good people to step in and uh, and take care of those children, and, you know, and that that's what we're that's what we're here to do uh, in part. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a really important part of what we do. And you, you've spoken to to Matt Colby, you've spoken to Fiona Baker, who manage those two areas from a 
political perspective and they're, they're full of passion uh, for, for those areas and uh, they're, they're two really experienced, two really capable pairs of hands uh, in, in those key areas for us. Mm. No, indeed. I mean, it's right to point that out as a sort of looking back, two-thirds of the budget, um, that's a big area. So that, I suppose, continues to be a big challenge. And as Fiona said, um, it's demand-led. You just don't know what the demands will spring upon you. So it's quite hard to budget. But are, are the finances of the council? I mean, we heard from uh, your cabinet member responsible for finances. He seemed to give a very strong opinion that the finances were very much under control. Is is, is that the general generally held view? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very much the case. Uh, we always want, want more money. <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, that's, uh, that's always going to be the case. But you hear pictures of doom and gloom from around the country. And uh, whilst we do have to be very, very savvy about uh, how we're managing money in uh, in all of our departments because of the financial constraints, we're we're a lot better than we're a lot better off than parts of the the, the councils that are hitting the headlines elsewhere in England uh, and that's in large part due to the hard work of, uh, of Malcolm Longley and uh, you know, the chief financial officer at the council Martin Henry uh, they work very well together they work extremely hard and it, following unity I think uh, we were all very grateful that we were able to bring together the, the district and the county services that had previously been in, in separate councils and uh, we're now able we're now able to to innovate and and work better and uh, invest in new technologies, for example, to simply make people's money go further and uh, uh, have a more uh, efficient council. Right. Well, before we clo- before we close, I've got uh, Jonathan Nunn who's going to close the series. I think he opened it and we'll close it um, next week or the next couple of weeks. So, um, go on. What what questions would you want me to ask Jonathan on air publicly? Oh gosh! Now you put me on the spot, Adrian. That's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the most difficult question you've asked me. What, what should we ask uh, Jonathan? Uh, I, I, I think your listeners would be uh, would be interested to hear just uh, just what Jonathan's ambitions are for, for, for the year ahead. I'm sure they'll be uh, similar to my own, but. Um, uh, you know, J- Jonathan has a, a huge commitment to uh, to West Northamptonshire. He works uh, ferociously hard, and uh, he is magnificently ambitious uh, for the area. And uh, you know, whilst we see a lot of uh, you know, criticism, and it, you know, it comes from a, a good place uh, most of the time, we see a lot of criticism of the council's uh, intent uh, uh, to innovate and uh, improve Northampton, especially. Um, actually, you know that that ambition's needed, and uh, we're, you know, we're we're passionate about making Northampton better, more attractive, and uh, and fit for the future, whilst uh, retaining the best of its past. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, if you get Jonathan talking about uh, those sorts of issues, then you know, you'll, you'll have a good piece of radio. Fantastic. Well, um, Adam, thank you so much for your time, taking the time and trouble, and obviously a busy schedule and a busy time of the year. Um, we've been listening to Adam Brown, the Deputy Leader and Cabinet Member responsible for Housing, Culture and Leisure. Adam, many thanks indeed. Keep safe, keep well, keep up the good work. 106.9 Live. Take the next step to growing your business at Your Business Expo 2024. Set to be Northamptonshire's largest B2B exhibition, Your Business Expo is happening on February the 7th at Cywell Airdrome. It's the place to network, meet local vendors, and hear what our expert speakers have to say. Your Business Expo is a free-to-attend event with free parking. And if you're considering exhibiting, networking, or visiting, register now at yourbusinessexpo.co.uk. 
Your Business Expo 2024, powered by Business Times Newspaper. When your business teams up with Unitemps, you get access to some of the top graduates the University of Northampton has to offer. High-caliber staff, right here on your doorstep. Unitemps is committed to finding you the right candidates for the positions you've got available, making filling full or part-time or even temporary jobs simple, whilst ensuring you've a talent pool for the future. Unitemps Northampton sees tomorrow's leaders today. Visit unitemps.co.uk and click Northampton. When business owners, directors and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire, they turn to Business Times. Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month and the pages are filled with positive local business stories. Respected, trusted and always relevant. Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter. So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk. Business Times. Positive about business in North Hans. At NNBN, we support local businesses, charities and organisations. We bring local people together. We promote growth and success and we support our members. NNBN has a proven track record in helping members of our community get seen and be heard. It costs from just £20 a month to become a member and you'll benefit from advertising, events, engagement, support and money-saving discounts. If you're a local business, charity or organisation, join us today at nnbn.co.uk. 106.9 106.9 N Live. I like small speakers. I like tall speakers. If that music, they're wired for sound. Walking about with a head full of music. It's set in my pocket and I'm gonna use it. Stereo. Out in the streets, you know. Flows into the breakfast show. Oh, 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 You love me, the love means you must like what I like. My music is dynamite. Oh, 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 She said, I'm not a girl you put on at a standby. I am a girl who demands that I love this amplified. Switching you overdrive. Oh, 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 oh,
That was, of course, Cliff Richard with Wired for Sound. And I guess, though we do it remotely, all my guests have to be wired for sound. What a terribly corny link, Adrian. That must be one of my worst. Anyway, next up, we ha- are going to hear part two of my interview with Councillor Fiona Baker. The first part was a couple of weeks ago, um, but it was an area of really quite uh, vital importance to the county and many people in it. Um, Fiona is the Cabinet Member uh, for Children, Families and Education in West Northamptonshire Council. And we had a long chat and we had to sadly split the discussion into two. The interview is available as a podcast in its entirety without any break and that you can come across on podfollow.com forward slash open for business that's www.podfollow p-o-d-f-o-l-l-o-w.com forward slash open for business where the four is the number four but this is the second part we'll be hearing from fiona though after this and in terms of a song um i don't really um know i was trying to find a song that's appropriate perhaps this one isn't because it does more relate to uh, people in Africa, but it is one uh, that I think was useful to reflect on the sort of things and issues that Fiona has happened to deal with people and young people with problems, issues, challenges, disabilities, etc. So this might give us a moment to reflect before hearing from Fiona with the Hollies and He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. The road is long with a man
It's a long, long road From which there is no return While we're on the way To there Why not share We've understood a little bit more about the structure. Um, you, the trust, has to do a lot of this work. What's the progress then in the last few years? Because I, I know Colin Foster. Let's <coughs> get Colin on. I think to come and talk to one of these days. Uh, I thought he was a very good man and, and really, you know, quite uh, admired what he was trying to do, the way he was going about it. When I last spoke to him, um, what's the what's the sort of structure? What's the progress that's been made in the last three or four years? Since. Um... We have been in a trust. We have had a full inspection, which they have now said we now are requires improvement. And because we are under, we're still under the statutory direction, they call it, which means that the DfE is still overseeing what we're doing. They come back. Well, I think it's quite, I don't know, Colin will tell you the exact amount of detail, but it certainly is every three months or so to inspect an area of the trust It's a short inspection, but they'll come in and look at one area just to make sure that that's improving. So um, recently, for example, we had them Ofsted in at the front door, which is where all the inquiries come in from the police and schools and health, etc. And they have said that that was good. So that goes towards our good results at the end, we hope. So mm-hmm. that's a very stable team in there, which are working well. We've also had another inspection done on the youth offending service, which is also um, part of the trust. Having said that, though, the youth offending service is part of the trust, but the overseers of that are quite a large range of different people from um, police and legal and um, various different people that all work with children to to try and improve their life's mm. story. Um, so that is housed in the trust as well. And they, we've recently had an inspection of that, which was outstanding in a couple of areas, but good in most. So that is also another area. We're expecting to have one shortly after Christmas in our fostering, because one of our previous fostering inspections 
uh, wasn't as good as we hoped it would be. And that's because <clears throat> we've there's all sorts of peculiar things that happen when you put your service into a trust. And that means that our fostering service has to now be called an independent fostering agency. So there's a different criteria of inspection for an independent fostering agency because it's not actually directly attached to the council than there would be if it was in-house. Sorry mm. about this. It's really complicated, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, so there was a lot of things which they looked at being independent that we weren't really prepared for. So we were, you know, not ready for that one. But we're hoping they're coming back just after Christmas and we hope that they will see great improvements in the work that we've done in between. Okay. So what are the the biggest challenges then? I mean, you mentioned social workers. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said it takes seems to take, I don't know, th- is it three months or a long time for um, a statement of special needs or mental well-being? I mean, where are the bottlenecks or what is the challenge? And, and I'm sure you're going to say it's a shortage of money, of course, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Where are the where where's the where are the biggest things or the things that keep you awake at night in terms of well gosh I must overcome this or how do I address this particular aspect? Well, I think all of those things you've mentioned are huge challenges. Social recruiting social workers is is really challenging. Um, yesterday, I, after I spoke to you yesterday, I was on a meeting with the East Midlands lead members, so that all of the people who are like me from the, all of the East Midlands were talking about, and their challenges were just the same. Mm. And it's understandable in a way because it is quite a really challenging job to be a social worker because you're going into people's homes and making decisions about their children and their lifestyle. It It's really challenging. So I can understand you really need to be a certain type of person that wants to do that. But I think most of the social workers that we have are really there for the right reason and want to just make lives better for children. And that's um, something that we promote throughout all of it. You know, we're always talking about the children, which is probably why I'd say to you, I'm not 100% on budgets and figures because my my aim is to talk about children. Mm. Um, and I worry about how to pay for it later sort of thing. <laughs> Roughly but, how, uh, ma- how many children in care do, does West Northamptonshire have? I mean, it probably varies, but is there, you know, order of magnitude number? Well, there's 1,206 children across the county so i think we've got 671 or two of those in west Northampton. so um it's worked out on a pro rata basis then which is how they measure us for comparison throughout the country um so that's 72 per thousand people um and most of the average is 70 so we are a bit higher than the average um and those children are supported by us looking after them completely. So they will be either in children's um, homes or in foster families. But that we have a lot of other children. For example, in West Northampton, we have 1,200 children that we work through statutory social work, which means they're staying with their, where they are, but we have social workers visiting them all the time to check up on them, make sure they're all right. Um, do learning for families on how to the best way to look after children, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're constantly being um, looked at and helped. And then we've got another 1,680 families in the West, which we're working with under the basis of what we call early help. So that's um, 
some families are not aware of what we would call is neglectful behaviour towards children or not good parenting skills. Mm. So what we're trying to do is to work early with those people, with those families, in order to give them the best chance to keeping their children living with them by giving them skills and to in order to manage their lives better than they are doing. Okay, so that's three very uh, interesting and, and broad categories there with yes. um, with relatively big numbers. Is there a consistency of service? And I mean, if it's hard to recruit social workers, once you have, do you keep them? Because I remember years ago talking to one of the officers and I was a little shocked and surprised to hear, you know, well, who if I'm a 14-year-old child in care, you know, who, who supports me? And I think by the time she'd got to five or six people, I was like, excuse me, instead of mum and dad, you've got five or six people still counting that are in this person's life. You know, is there yes. is there one anchor who stays be- for many years or do- is there a lot of chopping and changing? There's a lot of chopping and changing. Um, we try very hard to recruit social workers to work in-house for our council. But obviously, the challenge there is that we have a limited amount of money that we're able to pay. And um, we do find that there's we have to use a lot of agency social workers who earn more money. It's a really like a chicken and egg situation. Mm. If we didn't have agency, we could pay the others more. But it's one of those really difficult situations of to how to get to the situation we want to be in where we want social workers to work for West Northampton Council. Um, So what would happen, we do find that a lot of people um, decide that, A, they'd like more money, or B, they'd like a more flexible way of working, because if they work for us, obviously it's a a full-time job and we expect them to be there all the hours that are required. But as an agency social worker, you could decide you only wanted to work two days a week or something of that sort. So there's that all to take into account. But we are having great success in a lot of areas. Um, the very challenging areas tend to be quite a larger turnaround of, you know, the beginning start of life. So of, of the cases, because they've got the biggest challenge emotionally and to deal with and mentally for them, for the social worker. So they tend to be the ones that change more often. But um, we are seeing a big improvement in that, but it's a countrywide thing, the shortage of social workers. The other thing that we have a shortage of is foster families. Um, We would like to recruit many more foster carers than we have at the moment. Um, So they're all big challenges, but we're all working on different ways that we can help We've just launched a fostering friendly campaign for our council, which means that people get benefits and special treatment. Certainly if they work for the council and they're a foster carer, they get lots of benefits of days off, et cetera, et cetera, to attend things that other people don't get. So Mm. we're trying to do everything we can without it costing too much money. Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a very much a a big issue. Um, Some of the, you know, I guess the question that people would ask is, is the money, and it's a big budget you've been talking about, is it is it being used wisely and effectively? Uh, how much is going into private sector operators? I mean, some of the care homes you read are, are run by the private sector. You know, are you able to check on, on things like efficiency and effectiveness of the spend? I think that's our biggest problem at the moment, and we are all lobbying our government to see if we can do a cap on how much these private organisations 
are charging us because there is an element of profiteering going on there mm. because they have us over a bit of a barrel. We need a house. We need a home for a child. And it's a desperate situation. So they can more or less name their price. And if we can't find anywhere else for that child, we have to pay it. We have got a team now that where we have had to do that in emergency situations, we have got a team in the, in the trust now working um, to look at all those placements to see if, okay, that's where they went to originally, but can we look now to find somewhere better for them that actually isn't at that high cost of the um, the private sector? So, But there is a lot of work going on over the whole country on that, that private organisations, I heard yesterday that apparently a lot of these children's homes are owned by trust fund people that keep buying and selling and they're just in it for profit. And that can't be right when we're talking about the lives of children. No, I agree. I think it definitely needs to, to throw some light on this whole um, this yeah. whole area, indeed. Okay, now what um, else I want to ask you then. So the, some of the, the, the numbers are large. Um, I guess if somebody sat down and worked out the number per, per child, it's quite a significant amount of money. Some children do have exceptional needs, though, right, because of disability or uh you know physical a lack of physical movement or they might need what one or two carers you know pretty much for 24 hours and that yes. clearly is a is a massive cost no well some of them have um it's not just carers to sort of for, dis, for disabled children because obviously we do need probably two where one would have been all right because you need to do handling etc cetera, etc cetera. but the big challenges are those that are suffering from mental health conditions where they need much more um support at a higher level um to safeguard themselves so some children have got probably we have to have shifts obviously because the carers have to have time off but some of them will have two carers with them all the time and in some cases three because they're a danger to themselves and other people. Really, wow! Mm. It's very, it's very sad, isn't it? And, yes. and families, you, you know, you've got children, families, and education. So, to what extent are these sort of separate areas, or in fact, they're intimately linked? Because very often, some of the issues, I guess, pass down through generation to generation. Yes, yes, it's it's kind of learned behaviour, isn't it, in a way? But the families element is, we do a lot of parenting classes. We're involved with the domestic abuse situation, substance misuse and direct work, work, working with children. Um, we have families needs are identified through an assessment process, which outlines how much help and support they need and to bring about a change in order to make them live a better life, really. Um, we have lots of different programmes for families, but really our aim is... Um, we're not all the same and we have to accept. And that's one of the learning curves to accept, really, when you first start working, that your way of life is not necessarily the way of life that other people would want. So you can't compare what you do by what other people do. But you have to make sure that however they live their lives, the children are safe. Um, so that is the one thing that we do try to do. Classes for families to show them how what is neglect what is looking after your children safely? What are good things to do and not do? So that's the work that we do with families. So um, I think we've got about 3,000 children across the county that we're working with the early help family situation. Um, I think across we've probably got 1,600 and something, 70. 
Yeah. <clears throat> well, again, these are big numbers. Do you work closely with other agencies like the police, the health service, and, of course, yeah. the charities that are addressing um, yes. you know, youth problems now? We do, definitely. Uh, we, we're constantly, I think a week goes by when I'm not in a meeting with our colleagues from police and health. Um, our charity colleagues are a really important role. And in actual fact, I think as time has gone by, they've had a bigger role to play because we, as a council, we are we have a, a, an amount of money that we give out as grant funding to, to keep charities going and they do fundraising as well, etc. Um, but we are more heavily relying upon those charities now than we probably did do many years ago because there are certain services that we can't offer ourselves, um, but we are very happy to support uh, recognised charities to offer that support to us. So we work very closely together with all of our charities and have at least a monthly meeting with them. Okay, good. So there's some funding um, available or subcontracting of, of work yeah. or things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, as you know, I chair two children's charities, uh, Fiona. I do. Uh, I'll, yes. have to, I'll have to check that we're in on that inner circle. And, uh, You'll uh, have having to look that... at the grant applications, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> We've got the regular dialogue as well, because um, we can do that offline, certainly. So um, how do you relax from all the, of these pressures then? I Every morning I get up early and walk my dogs across country fields. And whenever I can, I have a horse and I go to the stables and ride my horse. And one thing I say about having horses, when you're out riding a horse, no matter what is in your mind for that hour or two hours, you cannot think about anything else other than, is that cow looking at us strangely? (laughs) (laughs) Is that farmer about to chop that hedge down? Because they're such a volatile, you know, flight animal that they could leave at any moment and you just have to be really aware of what they're thinking all the time. So I love to do that because that means that for that period of time, I can't think about anything else at all. Well, that's a good answer. And I'm sure it's very therapeutic indeed. What can, you know, our listeners, general public businesses, as well as, of course, any charities that we might be involved with, what can we do to help this situation? Um, because you've got a lot of needs, obviously, some where children are you know, born born with uh, disability or, or issues, others where perhaps it is the family environment isn't conducive or the problems that the parents might be facing, etc. But, you know, what would be your appeal to, to the Northampton listener in terms of what they could do to help? I think what they could do to help me in our businesses to actually, and this is probably an impossible ask, but I'm going to ask it anyway, not jump to the wrong conclusion immediately. Because one of the biggest difficulties that we have from our staff is to hear that they actually are not doing a good job and they're not doing this and they're not. And the social media and news advert, you know, stories that come out, which are very one sided, in my opinion, because there is one of the things I've learned in being in this role is there's at least five sides to every story. Um, I think that our staff are very battered, as I am often myself, as you mentioned earlier, by publicity that call, that says they're not doing their best, and they really are. We've had people in tears because they haven't been able to do something and people are shouting at them. I think it's just remember everybody's human and they're all trying to do their best would be 
I ask. But if ever you can volunteer in any of the organisations that we have running and come and help with children, just be a friend. We've got various organisational elements in in our business where you can be a supporter of a child in care, for example. You don't have to have them with you all the time, but just somebody they could ring up and have a chat with. There's Mm -hmm. lots of areas like that that people could help us with, which would be really helpful. So how do people find out more about those, funeral? How do they find out or perhaps want to reach out to you? Yes, I think that would be the best place. Reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with all the things that we think you could help with, and that would be really good. We're just about to launch... Um, a new kind of um, initiative for some of our looked-after children and our children with um, neurodiverse needs in order to get them into work because they have got quite – we've got quite low statistics, not us personally, it's all over the whole country, of these young people actually ending up going through school and getting a job. And in order to live a good life, as you and I both know, that's what we need to do. If we finish our education – get a job to earn money to look after ourselves. That is the ideal scenario. And we are starting a launch to talk to businesses to, for example, I think businesses are a bit afraid of children that have been in care. They think they're all going to be troublemakers. They're not. You just hear about the ones that are. And children who are a bit neurodiverse are absolutely amazing if you click into the one thing they're interested in. You know, um, we've got young people that are, fanatical about IT and can do anything on a computer, et cetera, et cetera. I can't go through all the different things they, they can do, but they are really brilliant at that. They just have some behavioral quirks that people just have to get used to. Mm. So what we're starting is a business uh, brunch that we're having after Christmas to invite businesses in to talk to them about these young people, uh, introduce them to some, and ask if anybody at all can give work experience for a day, apprenticeships. Uh, We have had some success with this, just to say that we've had some companies already that we've trialled this with that have had some of these young people who have actually come back to us and said, that went well, we need to do more. So people are crying out for workers, and we have an untapped group of young people there that we need to find jobs for. Very interesting. So what is your um, email address then for people, businesses, what to write to you, Fiona? Fiona.baker at westnorthhands.gov.uk Fiona.baker at westnorthhands.gov.uk or go on to the westnorthhands.gov.uk website and I'm sure you'll be able to track down um, some some of these things. Okay, well, I think that's a pretty clear message there that we can do a lot to help. Uh, I think you're right about some patients are understanding um, because, you know, people are working very hard probably with limited budget, some of the challenges that you've uh, you've talked about. But I'm very pleased to hear that business brunch. So that starts in January, you're saying, yes? Yes, and... if you'd like to come along, we can send you an invitation. Yes, please do. I, I would like to come along if, if I'm around. I've got a little bit of travelling to do, but I would like to come around. And lots of different ways to engage. So you don't have to go from nothing to being a uh, having a child living with you permanently in a foster home. No. It sounds like there are different ways and levels of commitment in terms of time, but it yes. will help a young person um, improve their life chances. That's what we're yes. talking about, isn't yeah. it, really? And you asked me at the beginning of how much of this time does take up my working day. I would say to anybody that's thinking of being the Cabinet Member for Children, Families and Education, 
I'm not sure how good a job I'm doing. That would be for others to say. But in order to do, in my mind, what is a good job, you have to view it as a full-time job. Well, that does answer. I didn't get around to asking that question. So thank you for raising it. We talked about it before we started the interview. Um, obviously, we've heard from other councillors maybe combining the role with, um, you know, d- different elements of c- continue to have a family business, for instance. But yes, this yes. does seem to be all consuming. And as you say, you have a very strong emotional, um, link to this whole area, having had lived experience. So I can imagine yes. it's probably in some ways beyond <laughs> full time yes. job. You know, it, it never leaves you really. But as you say, until you go riding the horse and then you can switch uh, switch off switch off yes that's right well fiona um, thank you so much for taking the time as i said it's recorded just before christmas so in a busy period to come and talk to us and give us some insight into what is a you know a really important area um, it's a big budget and you as you say you came in when it was already uh, ch- very challenged i'm glad to hear it's moving in the right direction long may that uh, continue so all really on behalf of all of us um, is to thank you and to wish you uh, a very and a happy healthy and successful new year thank you Vienna.
how that should have got your feet tapping or singing out loud or dancing around the kitchen table or indeed all of them. That was ELO with Rock Aria. Rock Aria. Rock Aria. What a great band. What a great song. Um, that followed the uh, second part of my interview with Councillor Fiona Baker. Many thanks to Fiona for taking the time and trouble to give us a, such a deep insight into her role as Cabinet Member responsible for children, families and education. Now, we are Coming up soon to a sort of closing interview with Councillor Jonathan Nunn, the leader of West Northamptonshire Council, and what has become a traditional New Year's message. A little bit late in the New Year, you might say, Adrian. But anyway, he's coming up. But before that, we're going to hear from Stephen Bell, musical director extraordinaire of the Northampton Male Voice Choir and other select bands in the county and beyond. Um, And Stephen will be giving an appeal. But just to put us in the mood for his appeal... Why don't we listen to the Northampton Male Voice Choir with When the Saints Go Marching In. Oh, when the saints go marching in Oh, when the saints go marching in I want to be there in their number When the saints go marching in Well, my next uh, guest, brief appearance this time, uh, has been on the show many times and is well known for his um, musical direction of various groups, bands, orchestras uh, across the county. But today he's got an appeal that he'd like to ask our listeners. Stephen Bell, welcome back to the show. This is an appeal in your role as musical director of the Northampton Male Voice Choir, I I think. So, uh, yeah, tell us all about it, please. Well, uh, thanks, Adrian. This actually came about uh, following a conversation with my compatriot, Will Prideau, who's the musical director of Peterborough Male Voice Choir. And uh, an application was made to Arts Council England, and they f- they funded this programme I'm about to tell you about across five choirs in England, uh, Northampton being one of them, Peterborough being another one. 
and there are various others. But in order to try to uh, 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 encourage men to come along and try out for singing in the what's now known as the lower voice choir uh, area, but to, to, to you and I, male voice choir area. And also that allows us to, to wrap around its uh, support for prostate cancer, which is very significant, actually, for men. Very significant. One in eight men will will uh, have impact of prostate cancer. And if you're black, one in four. So it's a really, really significant story, conversation to have. So we thought what we'll do is we'll, we'll com- combine all of this and we'll encourage men uh, to create a, a little program called Men United in Song. And we're looking for four, 40 men, would you believe? 40 men. Uh, we're going to put them onto a nine-week project. Starts from end of February, start of March. Uh, it's a chance for people to learn to sing, come and find their voice. They don't need any previous experience. We'll give them all the professional direction and support that they need. There's a bit of a social opportunity as well. And uh, we'll put a concert on in Higham Ferris in May. And then all five choirs are coming together at the end of May into what's called the Albert Hall in Nottingham. So it'll be an absolutely fantastic massed choirs event. That That's all, when I say all five choirs, all five regions are creating these men united in song choirs. That's a kind of a, a separate little thing. They'll all come together. And then all the male voice choirs will come together that are, are sponsoring this, if you like. And it'll be an enormous event. Probably 250 voices uh, up in Nottingham. Well, all we're saying to people is, if you want to be part of this, if you want to find your voice, if you want to support prostate cancer, then uh, come along to our open evenings, hear what it's all about, and uh, we'll take you on the journey from there. What does that sound like, Adrian? Well, fantastic. No, I mean, a great cause and a great initiative. Now, let me just say that I think it was 2018 I signed up for this. Um, you did, did didn't you? And I went through the most wonderful experience of eight weeks to learn two songs. Um, I do a lot of public speaking, but never have I been so scared yet, so thrilled to be on that stage with 60 other men protecting me. But Stephen put me in the middle, staring straight at me. So dare I get a step or a note or Mm. a word out of place? Absolutely not. But it was really a wonderful experience, which I would love to continue. Just that at the moment, I cannot give the dedication that I know that uh, you demand of your choirs on an ongoing basis. But really, I do say it's a great cause. It is a great experience. And Stephen is an excellent musical director in terms of, you know, both, both. Well, you use a variety of techniques, don't you? From humour to fear, Stephen. Is that correct? <laughs> is that a spectrum uh, from <laughs> from, from humour to fear? I try to encourage people to do to be the best that they possibly can be, and uh, I don't mind telling. You, I'll deploy any and every technique I possibly can to move a rehearsal along one percent, five percent, ten percent, or so. And you know, generally people want, uh, I want them to want to do this stuff, you know, not to have to do it. And I want them to feel engaged and, and really wanting to be part of the, the greater whole, if you like. Um, some of the parts and all of that. Um, so shall just, I just, go yeah, on. go ahead. I, I thought I, perhaps I'd just tell people how we're, how, how they can come and hear about this on our introductory sessions, if you like. Yes. Um, we've got two introductory sessions, so if you can't make one, you can make the other one. You don't have to come to both. It's a single introductory session. The first one is on Wednesday, the 28th of February, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. In, both of them are in the Northampton Museum. That's in the Guildhall Road. You can park in St. John's Car Park. And uh, the second one is on Wednesday, the 6th of March, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. We'll just take you through the program, how it works, what's involved. We'll introduce you to the songs. 
you can you can meet up with other people and uh, you know so far actually the the interest has been very very high adrian it sounds to me like we'll get we hope to get over 40 we've currently got 34 men who are interested yeah. uh i'll take 54 i'll take 64 but uh, in the end you know the voice of northampton will speak and uh, and hopefully some of these lads will 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 turn out if they want to find out about this, I'm going to give a couple of bits of information here. Sorry about this, but yep. if they want to Google Men United in Song Northampton 2024, it'll pop up there. They can find it on the on the Northampton Male Voice Choir website, which is nmvc.co.uk. Scroll down there and you'll find it. Uh, or you can uh, email if you want to go straight to emailing uh, your interest. An email a fellow called Mark Bentley. Uh, it's M A R C dot Bentley B E N T L E Y twenty three at gmail dot com. Or here comes a mobile number, which is zero seven triple nine nine four two three nine zero. Any of those methods can get you in touch with us, and uh, you can just sign up, uh, show, express your interest, and come along to either of those uh, introductory sessions, and we'll take you through the rest. Okay, so introductory sessions, you're signing up for about uh, eight weeks, ten weeks? Nine weeks. Two, nine nine weeks. weeks to learn two songs with a, a rehearsal every week, yes? the, the practice Well, in, in this case, we've moved on a bit, Adrian, from the olden days when you learned two songs. We're now going to learn five songs. Oh, my goodness. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you could have done it. You could have done it. If I'd put ten songs down, you would have had a go, I'm sure. But um, th- this... Do you know what one thing I've learned in this process? Because we've done this kind of thing before. I've done it for about uh, twelve years with uh, with my friends in Northampton Male Voice Choir. Is not to not to play down to your audience. I, I don't need to treat these guys as though they're not able to do stuff. In fact, I take the opposite view. I take the view that they're, they're going to come along. They want they want to have a go, and I'm taking the view. Well, actually, they are able to do stuff. I just now I just need to be able to bring it out of them. So it all sits with me to pull it out of folks, and I'm confident I can do that. Well, wonderful. So there we go. Um, plenty of ways to engage. Find out more through Men United in Song, Northampton, by Google. Um, it's on the Northampton Male Voice Choir website, nmvc.co.uk. Or you can really bite the bullet and call Mark Bentley on 07999420 or email him at mark, M-A-R-C dot Bentley, B-E-N-T-L-E-Y 23 at gmail dot com. And it no limit. Um, the more the merrier because it is a great experience. And of course, what this ends up being is a great recruitment drive for the choir because people get the bug and they want to stay on afterwards. Is that right, Stephen? Uh, qu- quite a few of them do. Probably about 50% do. But uh, in the end, just come along for the journey. Can I just finish that mobile number for you, which is the zero triple nine nine four two three nine zero? Oh my goodness, mate! Thank you. Oh seven triple nine nine four two three three nine zero. Are you sure? There's lots of nines there. Four nines yeah. in the middle. That's right. Yep. Wow. Okay, there we go. Stephen, thank you very much. It's always a great pleasure to have you on the show. Good luck with this campaign. Good luck. Thanks, Quite going well at the moment. All going well. Oh yes, fantastic! We're doing so many good things. We we hope to be uh, well. We we'll be on stage in the Derngate at the end of of March for the West Northants Collide concert, which is going to be unbelievably. I'll powerful. be there. I'll be there. Two hundred voices on stage. Uh, then we're off to Clan Gochlan. Clan Gochlan. Oh my goodness! I must go. When's this? Uh, this is in July. Clan Clan Gochlan. I think I've spelled that correct. It, uh, double L and uh, there's lots, too many L's, Adrian. <laughs> uh, 
Pat and Gochlan Festival. We'll be doing that on the 6th of July, 6th, 7th of July. We're really looking forward to that. So awesome. there's a, a lot for the choir to focus on. We've just been asked to to sing in bands in the park in Abington Park, which I think is fascinating because we're not a band, but uh, we love being asked. It's a great um, bandstand to sing on. Excellent. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. I will try and be there in Llangollen, and uh, but good wow. luck, Stephen, and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks very Can much. You, thanks, Adrian. Appreciate it. 106.9 N Live. It's here. The latest edition of NN Pulse magazine is out now. So if you want to know what's happening in and around Northamptonshire, pick up a copy today. Packed full of local news, reviews, articles, places to go, style, tradespeople, and more. NN Pulse magazine is your glossy guide to life round here. Pick up a copy and you won't want to put it down. Keep an eye out for it coming through your door or get it from outlets across the county. NN Pulse, the magazine at the heart of Northamptonshire. To advertise your business in NN Pulse, Click pulsemagazine.co.uk. When business owners, directors, and key decision makers want to know what's happening in Northamptonshire, they turn to Business Times. Over 10,000 copies are delivered every month, and the pages are filled with positive local business stories. Respected, trusted, and always relevant. Business Times is the perfect way to get your business in front of the people that matter. So get Business Times working for you. Click business-times.co.uk. Business Times. Positive about business in North Hands. At NNBN, we support local businesses, charities and organisations. We bring local people together. We promote growth and success and we support our members. NNBN has a proven track record in helping members of our community get seen and be heard. It costs from just £20 a month to become a member and you'll benefit from advertising, events, engagement, support and money-saving discounts. If you're a local business, charity or organisation, join us today at nnbn.co.uk. 106.9 106.9 N Live, connecting Northampton. Well, regular listeners will know that we've been going through a series of interviews with the cabinet officers in West Northamptonshire Council um, and talking to them one by one about their role, about their their career, um, perhaps the backstory behind the person behind. And that's one of the themes that has come through very clearly for me, really, uh, rather than talking to truth unto power, that people ha- are grounded, are committed to the county and have got uh, other experiences to draw from but the person to blame for this series or to thank actually more so is Jonathan Nunn, Councillor Jonathan Nunn leader of the West Northamptonshire Council, he's a regular guest on this show and we are going to end the series in about a month's time with a more in-depth interview with Jonathan but today um, as has become, become customary, a new year message a couple of weeks or a week or two in but anyway Jonathan welcome to the show, happy new year firstly did you have a good Christmas? It's a very good Christmas, yeah thank you Adrian, it's really good thank you for what you said a moment ago, I've loved listening to the series of interviews you've done with my cabinet colleagues where as you say you've drawn out the person behind the job as well which is... Have you learned anything about them? <laughs> a couple of things actually, yes, yes. <laughs> I guess I probably have but, you know, we, we, it's like working with anybody, isn't it? Most of the time, if you're not careful, you talk shop. I suppose we socialise a little. We might go out for a drink after an evening meeting, but then you're normally talking about the meeting anyway, aren't you? Yeah. But they're a really interesting bunch of guys, uh, uh, guys and girls, I suppose I should say. Um, and um, it's great to work with them. Yeah, thank you. Very good. So we will go perhaps more into depth. I'll have to do my homework and go back on a couple of the comments or what I've learned in the journey, which yeah. has been a significant amount. But let's just, you know, perhaps keep at the high level now. Looking back over last year, looking forward. Firstly, looking back over last year, you know, what were the challenges or the major highlights for you, Jonathan, from a sort of, you know, running the council perspective? Yeah, I, 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 
I suppose last year, um, as everybody knows in councils, we spent an awful lot of time focused on money. Um, you know, we have services to deliver, some of which are what they call statutory. You're absolutely required to do it. Um, others which are more, slightly more discretionary. Uh, but, but, but fundamental things that council think, that people think councils should do. So when we come to make choices, we, you know, we have to be really, really careful. In about the last 12 months or so, um, we've taken £30 million out of the operating cost of the council. Goodness. Now, that's really incredible. But obviously, we hate to put council tax up. The reality of it is this council was formed because of the financial challenges of the county council, as, as you know well, Adrian. Um, and a part of that strategy was a strategy which was supported by the government for a time where they were where, where they were supported to not increase their council tax. But then over time, that that led a compound effect, which meant... You know, it was a part of the course. There are, there are there are other reasons for that, and people will argue different reasons. But but certainly, what we saw there is that a part of that jigsaw encouraged by the government was the lack of those increases. So so we cannot allow that to happen again to services. Uh, and sadly, that means each year we tend to go for the maximum increase in council tax, which this year has been you know, roughly five five percent of people's council tax. With inflation that at times has run at ten percent, mm. it's been incredibly challenging. We also see an increase in demand. The big areas where we've seen demand is temporary. Mm-hmm. People will realise that, you know, there's housing challenges, the cost of housing going up, quite a number of, of, of private rental landlords pulling out of that market, finding that a less attractive market to operate in, particularly those people who are not big time land, landlords, but people who just happen to have a second home. Perhaps when two people come together, they live in one house, but they keep the old one and, and rent it out. Seeing a lot of those withdraw from the market, that's put additional demand. Uh, so homeless temp- temporary accommodation. Uh, the second area is in children's, where we've seen not just an increase the number of children, uh, but more so, we've seen an interest, an increase in the complexity of the children's needs. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't don't fully understand what this means, and, and certainly before becoming involved in councils, it was an area that I wasn't really familiar with. But sometimes this can mean children with really traumatised lives they've been through, you know, really challenging ex- experiences, uh, leading to the point where it's you know it's required for them to have two to one care, two two professionals looking after them at any one point in time. So you could have a round-the-clock team of eight people looking after one child, and those costs, therefore, can run into hundreds of thousands of pounds. So when we look at the 1,200 children we have in care, you can see where that's an enormous cost, and, and those complexities are getting greater. Uh, and then the other one is the area of adults, uh, and probably a couple of things here. One, there is an increase in the number of um, uh, of adults requiring our care. Um Give you a statistic. In the next five years, we are anticipating a 28% increase in the number of adults over the age of 75. Mm. So that's adults over the age of 75 in the next five years, 28% increase. So, of course, who will be financially independent, find their own way, uh, you know, to cover the cost of care. But, of course, many who will require uh, the help of the council uh, uh, and the taxpayer to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, be, to be looked after. So some of these, we face some of these challenges and, and, and our focus always is in coming in on budget as we talk now we've got a few months of the year left we hope to come in pretty much on budget 
at the moment we're about uh, possibly up to a couple of million pounds a stray on a, on a budget of 900 million we're quite you know reasonably I say happy with that but we're content with the proportion but we're determined to get it right down so we actually hit budget once again as we have in every year of the council uh, council so far but we have to look to the medium term too we need to find new ways uh, of becoming more and more efficient to, 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 to deal with growing costs uh, and to deal with uh, growing demand. We've responded today to the government on their their government settlement. The, the, the overall sort of mix of government money coming in uh, declines makes us he- more heavily reliant on the on the council tax. We've responded to tell them what we think to their latest settlement, which they've asked all councils to do. We, we've made some concise points about the fact that some of their calculations uh, in increased in grant don't keep up with the reality of the inflation that uh, we and our local residents are are facing. Mm. So I suppose you can tell just by the fact that I've taken an enormous amount of time for, you were looking for a brief comment <laughs> and I've gone into more detail. That, that That's the financial challenge. The most important thing, though, for us is as well as, as doing that, we continue to deliver services well and, and that we also have a little bit of aspiration as well. That aspiration, hopefully, you'll see in things like the regeneration that's going on here in Northampton, where we are today, but also in plans we're starting to create for our other towns, uh, Daventry, Toaster and Brown. Exactly. Um, we continue also to work closely with partners. Partnership's been a key theme, so the anti-poverty strategy is an example of that, um, and thank goodness we developed that. We plan to make sure we keep operating, uh, you know, keep operating that as effectively as we can and uh, supporting people with the, things that, uh, with the things that they need. So I think overall, overall, we'd look back at a good year. We've had some challenges, of course, you know, a couple of different things. The, the special educational needs and disabilities has, has been, you know, frequent news news item across Northamptonshire and certainly for us here in in West Northampton, where again that demand is growing. We've seen a massive increase just in the life of the, the three-year life of this council um, in the number of children coming forward for assessments uh, for special educational uh, needs and again the complexity of those needs. So that, that's led to a couple of issues. One, an increase in the cost of providing those services but secondly a backlog in managing to keep up. There's a, a huge shortage of educational psychologists who, whose job it is to make a judgment on what support uh, is needed. Uh, other information for these things comes from the health service, uh, where, of course, you know they're under pressure. So we may be waiting to approve um, uh, you know, support, a support package uh, for, for for a young person, and still waiting on the NHS or or somebody to give the comment. But we're making some progress. We've opened a number of school extensions across West Northampton this year, specialising in in, in SEND children, and we're making some progress now uh, on the new SEND school that will be in Tiffield. So we're taking all these challenges, trying to get somewhere with it, and some of those will feed into next year. If I look ahead to next year and aspirations, again, we need to, to watch very carefully every single penny of public money uh, that uh, that we have at our disposal, make sure we get maximum maximum bang for the buck. Um, but we want to press ahead on some of the things that really matter to other people as well, which is that special educational needs, for example, potholes in the roads, <laughs> recent investment in new technology with um, uh, I think all the pothole Pro, that's a very busy machine. It's all over the county. And, and what it seems to be doing is is covering the ground more quickly and doing a more permanent job on pothole repairs, uh, which hopefully um, will see us in, in better shape. We worry about the wet weather that's now becoming the cold weather and what impact that will have on potholes. But these, these priorities obviously are our priorities. Another positive thing um, which we're pushing ahead on is our overall sustainability um, objectives. 
a lot of plans for next year, which which both save money and uh, play to that sustainability uh, ambition, such as solar. So we will be installing solar here in our main head office where we are now, uh, which will vastly reduce um, our need to purchase any energy uh, at all and have a quite a short payback period, which will make us both more efficient sustainability in terms of sustainability, but also will save money. And we're looking at other opportunities for solar around different parts of West North Ants where uh, without too much you know, disruption on the countryside and scenery, which is an important factor, where areas are tucked away and there are field areas, we would hope to be bringing fair amount of solar forward, which will reduce the carbon and also, uh, of course, reduce the um, you know the cost of, uh, of power for people. So there's a whole bunch of things uh, like that. So I, I suppose those are a few areas across our whole area. We want to just keep doing and do more of the same and come up with increasing innovation, if you like, to serve people better and to do it in a more more efficient way. Thank you. What about the business community? What what would you say if we asked you the same question or more or less focusing mm. on business? Yeah. No, glad, glad to answer that. We, we have, I believe, a pretty good economic development team here at West North Ants, and they're there to help businesses. Uh, they work with all the other organisations. You, through the university, you know, you, you, you work with them and we work closely with the FSB, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, the business improvement districts that we have and so on to try and make sure that we're there to support businesses. Quite an exciting thing for us here in West North Ants is, is happening during the coming year. Uh, so, some of your listeners will be aware of the um, local enterprise partnerships in our area, that's SEMLEP. Uh, SEMLEP has been uh, looking at economic development and promoting our area and also supporting businesses uh, in the area uh, through things like the Growth Hub. Many people will know the Growth Hub where they can get advice to help build their, their business be that big or small. The Careers Hub, where young people are introduced um, to businesses through the school network, uh, which leads to some really world-class sort of career opportunities and, uh, and work experience opportunities. Now, the government has, 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 has said they will no longer fund local enterprise partnerships with effect from the end of March. We think these services need to continue. And in common with what's happening around the country, we're taking them on as local authorities. West North Vance has been nominated by the other uh, five councils within the South East Midlands area to run these services. So we'll be bringing that in-house. People who work at SEMLEP at the moment, if they're transferring in, they'll be they'll be working West North Ants. They'll be working to make sure they deliver those services across the whole of the South East Midlands, which, of course, includes Bedfordshire, Milton Keynes, uh, and down as far as, um, as Luton. Um, but we think that's really great because that focuses further on our economic development aspirations. Uh, and there's probably a bunch of key things for local businesses uh, there and for local people. So if you ask me what our two top priorities are in terms of economic development, one is um, for small businesses, being an area of strong entrepreneurial tradition, we have so many startup businesses. What we need to focus on is the sustainability of those businesses making sure that they last uh, and they survive. That's an important priority. On the job creation front, our focus is on better quality jobs. Uh, in West North Ants, we don't have an unemployment problem. We are a net importer of labour. So many people drive to West North Ants, uh, you know, to undertake their, their work. Our focus, therefore, is not just on job numbers, but our focus is on the quality of those jobs. Uh, good jobs, uh, you know, permanent contracts of employment, qualifications, uh, apprenticeships, all of this sort of thing. 
our engineering sectors, for example, high tech engineering, uh, which we advanced engineering, which we have across West North Ants, the, the kind of banking related stuff that we have through people like Barclays and Nationwide. These are the jobs that we really love and, and a whole host of other areas too. I'm just naming, naming a couple there. Our aspirations are in terms of the quality, uh, the quality of jobs that we might be able to play a role in creating. Okay, so you've, um, we'll, we'll talk about how you manage all that afterwards when we do the next in-depth interview. I yep. think it's interesting that you've got this uh, team of talented cabinet officers. You know, that is yep. another uh, topical area, I guess. But um, in terms of, you know, the focus of your work now, um, are you enjoying it? And, <laughs> you know, what, uh, where do you spend most of your personal time, managing the people or managing an issue or a theme? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. The answer to I do right, the answer is yes. It's the most challenging, it remains the most challenging thing I think I've ever done in my life. But nevertheless, one of the most satisfying every day he throws a series of problems at us, I guess. Um, although, you know, we've got a really great team, not only the cabinet members on top of their briefs, but the team of directors that we have, all the way through the assistant directors and, uh, you know, all of our members of staff. There is a certain calmness uh, about things. We have a culture in which people will raise problems if they have a problem. We hope that they don't hide it. We talk about it. We sort it. So so that, that that's pretty good. But nevertheless, in a massive organisation like this, you do get problems of different sorts, challenges to address uh, every day. Love, uh, love dealing with those. Um, in terms of where I spend my time, there is a danger of becoming, sometimes call myself, a bit of a head office bod. I spend most of my time here in the office at Angel Square. The hours are long. Uh, sometimes I leave here and then head home and there's another couple of hours of, of things to get done. But, but the nature of the job is that it's, it should be a long hours job. It's also important to get out and about. So I like to get out and about and visit uh, different parts of the um, community across West North Ants. I spend my time, it's probably, yeah, it, it, it's probably about eight. 70 or 80 percent here spend time in our other offices we've opened the new office now which is which is going really well in uh, the abbey building in daventry and of course we've got the forum over in toaster we have quite a lot of our meetings uh, over there too um but that's 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 generally uh, i think how it goes and our, our cabinet as well most of them are pretty much working what you would kind of consider full-time hours really loving and, every minute of it and uh, and what we expect to be an election year here yeah. in the u.s uh, that's yeah. going to have periods of purdue that's going to have you know its own challenges so is that uh, and your the local elections are not until may 2025 so Correct. the national context you know to what what uh, how much does that uh, help or hinder you i suppose um i mean the first thing that often surprises people is sometimes people somehow as soon as I think that of an evening we must all sit in the room with the national government, we're all mates and everything else. We, we, you know, we don't necessarily have contact. We, we're lucky to get visits from ministers. We get letters from them, uh, and so on through to our offices where we get policy things sent through from, uh, from government. But sometimes that's quite a challenging situation, really. We are challenging back to government as we have done today over the settlement, the financial, the financial, um, settlement. Um, you know, I think the key thing there would be, frankly, the disruption and the uncertainty. Mm. I think that's what causes problems and, and, and that's you know whether the same same blue team get back in or whether we have a change it, it's that disruption uncertainty and it's about being part way down a course and then finding that course changes which can be a thing with government you know a certain amount of chopping and changing also with new governments we sometimes like see the the new broom likes to sweep clean don't they and, and change mm. things and shake them up a little bit you know often for the positive whichever government comes in but but nevertheless it's that dis- disruption to the plans that you that you had and I would fear that you know as we approach an election there'll be that uncertainty there'll be so 
much of the well we don't know if this will still be the case after the election and, and that'll be really that'll be yeah. really, really harmful and, and I, I mean that just from a process point of view and in terms of this organisation doing the best that it can um, for for people locally but but we'll come through that uh, and that'll be fine and as you rightly say for May 25 we've got sites on our own West Northants and indeed North Northants uh, local elections. election mode as well. So yep. trying to canvas the the locals. Okay. Well, Jonathan, thank you uh, very much for taking the time. Um, just last thing, any any messages you'd like to uh, to send, transmit to our listeners, to the uh, citizens of Northampton and Northamptonshire? No, oh, well, thank you for that opportunity. I, I suppose I'd like to assure people we're at West Northampton. We're doing everything we possibly can to serve this area um, as best we can. We believe it's a wonderful area. Uh, we really want people not just to live in the area, visit it and work. We want people to thrive in the area and. Love it for the wonderful countryside it has, the wonderful businesses that it has, and uh, so on. So, so we're really excited about the opportunities ahead for 2024. We wish everybody, all of your listeners, you know, a very happy and a very prosperous uh, 2024. Councillor Jonathan Nunn, leader of West Northamptonshire Council, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe, keep well, and keep up the good work. You, you're such a big star to me. You're everything I want to be, but just look in a hole. And I want you to get out I don't know what there is to see But I know it's time for you to leave We're all just pushing along Trying to figure it out Out, out, all your anticipation pulls you down When you can have it all You can have it all So come on, so come on It's not good for your health I know that you can change So clear your head and come round You only have to open your eyes You might just get a big surprise And it may feel good And you might want to smile, smile, smile Oh, don't you let your demons pull you down Cause you can have it all You can have it all
take that with Shine, one of my favourite songs again. I mean, really, I love these upbeat songs. But that one, I think, particularly appropriate for what Jonathan Nunn is trying to do for West Northamptonshire. He wants everyone to shine. He wants the county to shine. And um, Jonathan there wrapping up the series of interviews with all of the Cabinet members over the last three, four months, all of the Cabinet members for West Northamptonshire. Um, I hope you've enjoyed that series. It's giving us a very deep insight into what goes on in our local government, of course. And I must say very many thanks to Gillian Baldock. Gillian has been such a wonderful help and support in terms of giving me information, giving me a bit of a briefing and arranging the diaries for these very busy councillors. Uh, Gilly is the political assistant to the leader of the Cabinet and the Conservative group. And Gilly, if you're listening, a big thank you indeed. None of this would have been possible without you. I hope you've enjoyed the um, listening to the local councillors, cabinet members giving their side um, of what, you know, their view of their perspective on their role. And I think the most interesting thing has been the people behind the office and the sort of other lives they've got uh, to show that they're very well grounded indeed. So many thanks. All right. Well, without further ado, we are coming up to um, the next, uh, towards the end of the show, really, sadly. But here we go. We're going to be listening next to Simon Cox, and Simon is the co-founder and director of NNBN. He will explain what that is, and he's going to be a regular guest editor curating the show, doing the interviews, and giving us a deeper insight into what's going on in and around Northampton and Northamptonshire. So um, stay tuned, and we've got Simon Cox after this. 106.9 N Live. Well, my last guest this evening will be a short interview because he's going to be taking over the show next week and curating the whole show. And indeed, every last Tuesday of the month, which is a wonderful help and support from somebody who is doing so much, so visible in the county, doing so much to promote the county, businesses and charities and organizations within it. He is um, really quite a remarkable ball of energy. But it's a big warm welcome to Simon Cox, who's a co-founder and co-director of NNBN. Simon, welcome back to the show indeed. Um, thank you so much for offering to curate and be a guest editor on the show on a regular basis. But perhaps just start by telling us about NNBN, your day job, as it were. Yeah, well, thank you for having us on and obviously looking forward to what the future brings. But um, so, uh, I mean, NNBN, as you just mentioned, um, yeah, my co-director, co-founder of the organisation that's uh, here for businesses and organisations across Northamptonshire and uh, co-founded the organisation of uh, my now wife, Marie, um, in 2022. And, uh, you know, we thoroughly enjoy what we do. Well, congratulations, Dean, because you got married just before Christmas, and um, we wish you all the very best for the future, and I think you had a lovely Christmas and honeymoon at the same time, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It was a welcome break, I must admit, but, uh, you know, after after last year, it was a pretty busy year last year, so just to get some downtime to the, uh, you know, year at the moment as well, it was fantastic for us, so, yeah, uh, we're into 2024 now, and, uh, of course, uh, yeah, back to it now. Back to it, indeed. Which is so NNBN is a membership organisation. Any type of organisation can join, and then you provide a wide range of membership services. People are going to ask NNBN. Does it stand for anything? Yeah, great question. We're always being asked. So, I mean, initially we started out in what was or, or what is, shall I say, the north of the county, so the north Northamptonshire business work. But um, obviously, NN, we look at it. It's the county postcode at the end of the day, and uh, you know, obviously, since we've 
come across to the other side of the county. You know, it shouldn't be separated by the A43. We're here as one, as as, as a county, and uh, yeah, we're proud to proud to be playing the part that we are and the role we're playing. So um, the NN, as I said, is the county postcode, and the BN is the business network sort of element of it. So works very well for us. Well, as a membership organisation, you do so much, and you do connect. You do promote your businesses, you connect your businesses, but you've always got that eye on the good for the county and the business community as well. And, of course, in the last 12 months, I know that because uh, I attended, you had um, the one of the ministers came, um, Richard. No, gosh, I mean, mental blank. Oh, Kevin Hollenrake. Who, sorry? Kevin. Kevin Hod. Kevin Hollenrake. Kevin Hollenrake. I was going to say Richard Hollenrake. Kevin came to the county and, and you got on famously with him. And really, you know, I think you're doing some very interesting and unusual stuff over and above perhaps some of the other membership clubs, which might be, you know, a simple breakfast meeting. You're very proactive. What's driving you um, in all of this, Simon? Yeah, I've always been asked the question. I mean, I think a lot of it is um, I, I see information and, and hear things and, yeah, stuff goes on at a national level that we don't necessarily see here in the county. So, you know, if we can be that uh, that conduit of information of bringing it into the county to enable people to make decisions or to learn about what is going on, um, yeah, I've had a fantastic conversation with Kevin Hollingrake again last week over over some um, yeah where things are with you know since since the, when he came to Northamptonshire last year, um, but since then people like the the small business commissioner who again you know is, is you know stamping down her authority on uh, late uh, late payments and things. And we don't hear a lot of that sort of information unless we catch up with it in the national press. So to actually have these communication links into these people and actually even them offering to get engaged with some of the stuff that we're doing as well, which we can help to bring to, to this radio show as well, which uh, we're looking forward to. Indeed. Well, you know, you're an advocate for the county and its businesses and organizations i know you're getting into lots of um of the county's bodies indeed just before we move on what is you know people want to find out more about nnbn and they'd like to sign up what, where would you point them what's the website yeah i mean straightforward it's nnbn.co.uk i mean we're all over social media as well we're here to to be that that positive noise as well to help promote some of the positives that are going on so just have a look at the website and you can see exactly what's going on as well as news as well from what's going on around the county as well so we're not only you know pushing out our members news but also news that comes to us that people want to share so have a look and and uh, you can see what's going on indeed now i know why i asked you to um to guest edit on a monthly basis which is to um to widen the voices on the show to you know have a greater reach into the small and medium-sized business community and indeed selfishly to have a little bit of time perhaps because i'm under some pressure you know to do some research to write up all the things the universities love why why did you accept the opportunity simon um i absolutely love being around radio i mean anybody that knows me um i've been involved with community radio for sort of five years but I think oh, my music taste isn't the best. So I think when you can actually talk about serious topics and conversations, which you know are actually adding to people's lives, I think that's what really you know floats my boat and ticks the you know ticks the box for me. So obviously we had a conversation, and um, you mentioned about you know getting involved, and you know I'm looking forward to uh, being able to bring not only some of the members of NMBN to you know to air if they've got a decent story or something they wish to share, but also you know other organisations that are out there. And I think for me as well. When you're involved with radio, you don't stop but learn. You listen and you learn, and it's great to meet so so many different people as well that I've met so far. And yeah, I'm looking forward to what it. 
Well, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, to work with you, collaborate with you, because you certainly have got your finger on the pulse of the county, as you say. You can feature some of your members, some of the businesses that perhaps I'm not aware of. I think it's going to be fantastic for our listeners to have a much richer feel for what's going on in the county indeed. So um, NNBN, Simon Cox, the co-founder and director, co-director of NNBN. If you'd like to know more about that as an organization, you can go to nnbn.co.uk. But as of next week, Simon will be um, curating the show, that is putting it all together to choosing and interviewing probably, unless he gets someone else to do that. And did you hear choosing the music too? Now, that's the hardest thing to give up because obviously the choice of music is very personal and I always look for a corny link. So, um, listeners, I do not know what you can expect in terms of Simon. He was a bit self-deprecating there in terms of his music taste. But I'm sure, Simon, that um, you'll have a usual mix of oldies and newies and upbeats as well as reflective songs. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I love my rock music, you know, Queen. But you know, if I had my my way, I'd listen to Queen all night. But I don't think the listeners listeners would appreciate that too much. So I think for me, I think it's just about getting the balance, isn't it? And also, uh, as you say, adding that corny uh, corny connection in there as well. Very good. Okay, so as of next week is the first of Simon's um, show as the guest editor. Uh, do tune in to nliveradio.com or via, what is it, nliveradio 106.9 FM. Simon, thank you so much. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Well, many thanks to Simon Cox there. Looking forward to the show next week when he gets to choose the music. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what am I giving up here? Many thanks to all my guests, though, of course, to Councillor Adam Brown, to Councillor Fiona Baker, and to Councillor Jonathan Nunn. Also, with big thanks to Stephen Bell for the appeal for choristers. Many thanks to Martin Steers, the NLI radio station manager who puts all the show together as producer. And many thanks, of course, to you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. I hope you've enjoyed the music. And I hope you'll be back with us next week from 7 to 9 p.m. when Simon will be the guest editor. If you've missed any of tonight's show, want to hear the interviews again, you can do so at nliradio.com forward slash open for business with the number four. And if you'd write to me with anything to do with university or with your business or being on the show, um, write to adrian.price at northampton.ac.uk. That's adrian.price with a Y at northampton.ac.uk. Other than that, all that remains is to choose a good last song to play out with. I could think of no better today than Meatloaf with Back Out of Hell. Enjoy and good evening. Sounds are screaming and the fires are howling We're down in the valley tonight There's a man in the shadows with the gun in his eye And a blade shining no so bright There's evil in the hand, there's thunder in the sky And a killer's on the bloodshot streets Oh, I'm down in the tunnel where the deadly arise And I swear I saw a young boy down in the cover He was stopping the foam in the heat i
106.9 N Live. From the Sky News Centre at nine. A man who stabbed three strangers to death on the streets of Nottingham has been convicted of manslaughter. Valdo Calcarne denied murder on grounds of serious mental illness. 19-year-old student Grace O'Malley Kumar died trying to save her friend Barnaby Weber, who was also fatally stabbed. Her brother James says it was hard to watch Calcarne's court appearance. Seeing him there, very emotionless. He sits there not bothered. That doesn't surprise me again one bit. From his actions on June the 13th, he is a careless human. And I would hardly even call him a human, he's an animal. He has ruined my life and ruined my childhood. Train services have been halted across Scotland tonight as Storm Jocelyn rolls in. Strong winds and heavy rain are expected to become worse in some areas early tomorrow morning. 
Donald Trump could take a huge step towards a rematch with Joe Biden in November's US presidential election overnight. He'll do that if he wins big in New Hampshire in the race to be the Republican candidate. After demolishing his opposition in Iowa, he has only one major rival left, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. He's told reporters he's eyeing a big victory and in November too. Because we have to win by big margins. But you know what the reason is in November? We have to send the signal that we're not playing games. This country has gone to hell. This country has gone to hell. A new deadline for restoring the power-sharing executive at Stormont is expected to be set for the 8th of February. It's been nearly two years since there was a working administration in Northern Ireland because of a boycott by the DUP over Brexit rules. Barbie star Margot Robbie and director Greta Gerwig have been overlooked for the Oscars. Oppenheimer leads the nominations with 13. Sports Chelsea are cruising towards the League Cup final. They're thumping Middlesbrough 4-0 at half-time in the second leg of their semi-final at Stamford Bridge, leading 4-1 on aggregate. In the Scottish Premiership, Dundee lead at third-placed Hearts 2-0 in the second half. That's the latest. I'm Faye Rollins.